On this episode of Building Men, nothing is impossible at the circus with Mark Picard. Mark is the CEO and founder of Stupid Simple Digital Marketing, an agency specialized in personalized branding for real estate investors and for podcasters. Mark gathers more than 20 years of experience among leaders of the entertainment industry such as Cirque du Soleil as a performer, artistic director, and mindset coach. He's also a dedicated ultra runner and runs more than 14 miles a day. Mark was the inspiration behind the rebranding of Building Men, giving advice, making suggestions on our message, and even creating our new logo. If you have not done so yet, I would ask you to consider giving Building Men a five-star rating, writing a review, and sharing this podcast with anyone you feel would benefit from the message. Welcome to the Building Men Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Meralda. Hello and welcome to the Building Men Podcast. Become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. This morning on the Building Men Podcast, I am joined across the Atlantic Ocean by Mark Picard. Mark is a he's a digital marketing coach, I believe. I believe that's what we're going to call it. Digital marketing coach, digital marketing expert. Um, he is a ultra marathon runner, a former Cirque du Soleil performer. And I get, got in touch with Mark via Austin Lenny. And if you follow along with the Building Men podcast, there's a, there's a large Austin Lenny tree of people that I've met over the course of the last couple months via the, uh, the main man, Austin Lenny. So I wanted to introduce Mark Picard to the Building Men podcast. Welcome, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. I love the, the the setup. I love you. You you you're investing so much time and energy in your in your social media on on your YouTube on your podcast. You you just keep improving every aspect of your project, and I highly admire that. Uh, you know, to do a podcast like yours, it needs a lot of courage. Uh, we'll talk about it later because the you know the topic building man is a very touchy subject in 2021. Yeah. But I just want to congratulate you to to take this initiative of like helping man understanding what it means to be man, you know. So um, so it's it's very very cool. I I, I like to follow you around, uh, comment stuff here and there, and um, very cool. So thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh my pleasure, and I appreciate the acknowledgement of that. It's been a long journey, and if uh, it, it's funny going back through the Instagram page, I look back, I, I first started in July of 2020. And just the journey that it's gone on over that time, I, I cringe a little bit when I go back and look at what I posted initially, and even the, the initial podcast, and things that I really screwed up along the way. But as I look back and take that 40,000 foot view, when you look at things at a different perspective, I love that journey that I've been on. It didn't start off polished at all. And I'm still not there yet. I'm, I'm learning every single day. But I, I like seeing the progression of, of what we were able to do. So I appreciate the recognition there. Yeah, and it and it's cool for you also to acknowledge the progress you've done, you know, and go through those um through those old posts of yours and 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 seeing your journey, you know. It's so cool. This is something I do quite often with whoever I meet that, you know, hire me for uh, digital marketing coaching or to, to, to develop themselves as a standing alone brand or something like that. I, I love to, to see the journey of the person. So to really scroll down 
that Instagram grid and see where is that person, where that person is coming from. Oh, this is where that person got help. Oh, this is where, ah, this is where he understood or she understood. This is what the audience wanted. Oh. And it's a constant evolution. You know, there's no right and wrong on social media. Right. It, it's about, of course, there is some, 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 some things you need to respect, but it's about trying, seeing the result, adjusting, trying, seeing the result, adjusting, and it's a constant evolution. And this is exactly what you do. And anyone out there that is listening to the podcast should should definitely go uh, on your Instagram, uh, you know, all the way down to the grid and see the whole journey. Oh, yeah. It's very inspiring. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's funny as as we got on the Zoom call today, and you're in Spain, correct? Yeah, I'm near Barcelona. I'm like, I live in a rural uh, part of Catalonia. I'm in the center of Catalonia. So uh, Barcelona is on the on the Mediterranean coast. And I'm like maybe 45 minutes away from the coast uh, in a place full of mountains, paradise for trail running. Oh, I'm I sure. I live a very, very simple life. But I'm from Montreal originally. This is where my $2 accent is coming from. <laughs> it's interesting. I... As I was preparing for this, I, I mentioned um, my girlfriend, Julie, who was actually, I, she just was the first female guest on the Building Men podcast. I just had her on recently, and we were talking about you and your, you know, your ultra uh, marathon running and, and the prep work that goes into it. And I, I was talking to her last night. She actually did a lot of research. She said, you know, I, I listened to him on this podcast, on that podcast. He's a really fascinating man. His passion is, is contagious when you listen to him. And I said, Julie... Here's what I struggle with on a podcast. I was just very transparent. I said, Julie, what I struggle with is that opening thing. Once it gets into conversation, I'm perfectly fine. I could roll with it. It's that, that initial question that you're asking to kind of set the stage. And she said, well, what is your goal? And I said, I want it to just be comfortable and, you know, like we're shooting the shit. You know, we're, we're, we pull up to a, a bar, I have a beer, you have, and we're just talking about things. And she said, well, what are you interested in about? I, I was like, you know what, this, the, the ultra marathon piece is, is really interesting to me. And she goes, well, why don't you ask him about chafing and i was like all right well you know if we're sitting at a bar and if you're running a lot and you're a hairy dude how do you how do you how do you not chafe how do you not have your nipples be all bloody and shit like that I said, that's a good place to start let's talk about bloody nipples when you're running that like 70 miles a week how do you avoid all that shit that you have to deal with as a runner i don't i don't have the nipples uh, the nipples issue like i know it's a real thing but I, yeah. I, that's really something i'm not struggling with um i am losing my tone my toenails that's for sure so that's a downside you know sometimes they become black and you know i i can lose them uh i i don't know maybe i'm really built for running i i don't know and you find those 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 all those tricks you know you use vaseline and and stuff like that you know i always wear tights when i run i never run in shirt because like i went running and i did one long run in short in my entire life and i regretted it for months all my balls were were red 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 oh. and, and 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 it was just ugh, I, I still have goosebumps thinking about it um but uh no i, I don't struggle uh, with 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 those things maybe I'm, I'm built to run besides the toenail that i'm yeah sometimes i lose one and you know, it's free growing back and so why not start, you know, why not start there? I mean, how many times you know, have you been interviewed on podcasts where the first question was about your nipples? 
Uh, no, but I really made it about my balls quite quick. Right, so, you did. Uh, you turned okay. it from nipples right to balls. That's exactly. No, no worries. No worries <laughs> about that. It's okay. <laughs> so now we'll go no back and, go back in time a little bit. One thing that was interesting, you had a vision of your life from a very young age. You decided on a very young age. Here is what I the track of my life. I want to I want to work for Soak de Soleil. That is where I want to track. I I will build my life moving in that direction yeah so when did you decide that how old were you when you said that this is my my, my dream my eight goal? years old so i was eight years old i remember and i was seeing the show salt in banco which was the second biggest production from Cirque du soleil um and i just simply remember looking at the clown act which was a cowboy act was sort of a mime act and i said hey i want to do that and since that moment I've uh, I've just organized my life around that since I'm eight years old. Yeah, when I I did a little bit of gymnastic training, but also I, I studied in theater and acting, um, all the way to the master degree where I study more the education of the circus performer. Um, and then yeah, I, I funny thing is. I was always the acting guy in the circus world and the circus guy in the acting world. So if I had to work on a production in theater, I was the circus guy. But if I had to work in the circus, I was the, the, the acting guy. So I was always some sort of a stranger in whatever environment I was evolving. And to me, um, Cirque du Soleil is sort of a place that you can really, really be yourself. They love hybrids like that. So, so it felt really natural to... Uh, to start performing for for Cirque, I, I I've performed about four thousand shows as a main character um, uh, at Ka at the MGM Grand in, Grand in Las Vegas. I lived like eight years in Las Vegas. I was performing with uh, Barry Griffith. I don't know if you know Barry Griffith from the WWRE podcast. Uh, I think I will put you in touch. Uh, uh, it's a real estate mindset podcast. Uh, very, uh, very cool. He's a former pro wrestler, and um, whatever. Long story short, we perform together and all, and now we do business together, and it's just like a, a great friend. Anyways, um, and and yeah, I. So funny thing, yeah. I've performed all those shows, you know, I was one of the main characters of the show. And on top of that, uh, Cirque du Soleil was hiring me to be some sort of an artistic consultant. So I was working on other shows to I was working uh, the human performance, the, the human aspect of the of the performance. So um, I was doing a lot of acting, coaching and things like that. Uh, when I decided decided to retire from as a performer i was strictly working as an artistic consultant on touring shows i've worked in europe and canada and in the us on yeah on touring shows um but there's one event that was really really relevant to me is one day on the strip so if you go on the strip my face is everywhere like you see it they still use my my picture for the for the marketing of the show and one day i was in my car and uh, I saw my face on a big bus, like on a tour, on a touristic bus, you know, like he might, and huge. And I turned around and I didn't recognize myself, like literally didn't recognize myself. Like this guy was another guy. And this is where like the whole transformation process started, because it was more um, because when when you have a dream, we live in a society where we we. We have goals, right? It's important to have goals. And we, we look at, you know, we, we keep an eye on the results. 
I want to be there or I want to make, make that amount of money or I want to have that responsibility. I want to tackle that project, blah, 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 blah. This is really, really great. But if you only focus on one goal, sometimes you miss the bigger picture. And I've realized that at that very moment, I've realized that I've missed the bigger picture. And I, I sort of went back in, in, in my memory and I, I was like, oh, shit, wait. I'm always the guy that is like in a party, 100% sure I'm going to end up with the most depressed person of the party. <laughs> and we're going to end up on a couch and talk about real shit, you know? Um, for some reason, uh, a Cirque du Soleil performer, performers trust me as, the, as, a, as some sort of a guide, you know? So, some, so the, the, I work with them as an artistic advisor or sometimes even a, as a life coach, you know? Um, and I realized, shit, maybe I've missed my real purpose in life, which is simply helping other, others growing. That's my real purpose. Right. I feel alive when other people are growing. I grow when other people grow. So after Cirque, I, I, I did all my uh, certification to become a life coach. Fucked off in India for a couple of months as well to become a yoga coach. It was a pretty funky phase of my life. Um, but I've never really worked as a life coach. I've, I really switched quite rapidly into digital marketing. Um, and now, yeah, I help people developing themselves as a standing alone brand. And I use all my tools as a life coach to clarify their mind and, and get to the bottom, bottom of their, their project and their vision, you know? So, um, so to me, you know, digital marketing is just one tool to help someone grow. Right. Um, so it's a really like a, you need to be careful with, with, it's cool to set a goal, but if you hundred percent identify to that goal, you might be fucked at the end of the, of the, of the journey. Like for example, now with COVID, a lot of Cirque du Soleil performers are having an identity crisis. Because from one day to they identify the whole life. Imagine you started being a gymnast at three years old, and you finally made it to the best job of your of the dream job. You finally made it. Everywhere you go, you say you're a Cirque du Soleil performer. Everywhere, and then bang, it's all gone. of a sudden, your identity is removed from yourself. You know, so um, it's a double-edged sword that goal-oriented mindset. And one, it resonated with me um, when you mentioned the being at a party. It's it's funny when I when I'm in a, a social setting. If I find that there's someone that is alone, I gravitate to that person. I need to connect with that person to help. Either even if they don't, they're not looking for company. I just feel that the the need to go and and be with someone who. Um, might need someone to talk to, a shoulder to cry on, whatever it is. So that I, I resonate with that idea, and it's just it's that, that coach inside of us, that that thing inside of us that we want to help other people, um, you know, raise their level or even just um, feel more comfortable in, in a social situation. So I, I I appreciate that. That's how you you see yourself. And it could be in a party of a thousand people, you will pick out that one or two people, and I need to assist them or help them along their their journey. Yeah. And that's why I really stay far away from parties, because I love real shit. I love real conversation. Right. I love. I don't. I don't. I'm not a really small talk guy. I'd rather be alone. You know, if you want to just make jokes and and pretend you're stupid while you dance. I highly respect the people that have fun on the dance floor. You know, it's okay. But 
uh, I was like that at some point. Like, I'm not scared of, of looking ridiculous right. for sure. But uh, if you ask my wife, my wife is a really social human being. Like, she she's not partying all the time, but she's really, you know, having beers. And we're in Spain, so having beers is not an event. It's just an everyday life thing, you know. But yeah, no, and she respects that. Um, I'd rather be alone than being in a, in a situation, in an environment where there's no real conversation. You know what I mean? Or there's, or people don't listen to each other, or there's no, I don't know, there's no opportunity to grow, or there's no, yeah, you know. So um, that's why I appreciate my life right now. Right. I'm, I'm, I don't live in a city. I live remove a little bit from, from society, and I'm, and I'm totally okay with it. Take us back a little bit on this journey. So you mentioned it was you were eight years old when you decided that was what you wanted your life to be, and so you had you had a specific destination in mind for your life's journey. As you're you're going through the process, I'm sure it was a ton of training that went along with it. You you basically had to track your life in that specific way. What lessons did you learn? Um, and I'll and then I'll ask another question about you know your experience in, in schooling. But what lessons did you learn that helped you get from the, the the time that you decided I want to be a performer in Cirque du Soleil until you actually got there? What were the lessons that that you learned in school or that you learned life lessons that helped you get to that point? Um, I'm going to tell you the biggest lesson I've I've learned from Cirque du Soleil performers in general um, because I think that's where I think. That's where there's more value for you. Um, learning gymnastics is one of those things that you learn by falling. Okay, um, the, not every sport implies automatically breaking your face, like really breaking bones and overflip and overspin. And it's, you know, gymnastic. It's about doing mistakes all the time. You know, and stand up and do it again. Uh, I skied a lot. I, I, I'm a really good skier. Like I, you know, I competed and all. In ski, if you fall, I mean, of course you can fall, but if you're always chasing that fall, you will have a very short career. You know, uh, you're going at a at a 60 mile an hour on a downhill. You don't want to fall, right? Um, but maybe martial art is more similar to gymnastic, and it creates some very very resilient human beings excessively resilient they know how to take a shot they know how to they know how to um they know how to deal with um standing back up you know um we had an accident at, at ka one of our uh, friend another artist died on stage back in 2015 i think in june 2015 uh, she died on in the middle of a show, and you know she she fell. It's, it was a perfect storm. It was an accident. It was you know, died on the spot. Mother of two, a good friend of mine, and after that, I was in charge of um, uh, of putting the the act the, the the act back into the show. So it was a whole re reintegration process. You know, uh, it took a couple of months to reassess the situation. To make sure an accident like that wouldn't happen because there's at CA there's so much technology involved that you know a bunch of stuff needed to be reassessed and i was representing the art the artist the performers towards the administration and the administration towards the artist you know it was a sort of the in between making sure everybody were okay you know and there's one one thing that one of the performers told me that just stuck, just stuck in my head. Uh, we're talking about like a, 
uh, Team USA gymnast. Like we're talking like high end yeah. gymnast, you know, retired from the world of gymnastics, but high end gymnast, Team USA. And, you know, a couple of months after the accident, we were eating together and she just said, man, I cannot wait to get over this shit. I just cannot wait to just fucking go back on stage and just do it. Just, I cannot wait. And I was like, in my, the, the way I received that, it was like, oh my God, how rude. Someone died. How come you can, you know, on the back of my head, there was that, that voice, you know, how can she say that? But then I was after, after that, I was like, fuck, she's damn right. Yeah, turn that page, move forward. Yep. She was your best friend, that's okay. But you, you, you got, you, you know, you're gonna grow. You turn the page, move on, evolve, next challenge. And you know, that, that, that gymnast really taught me something deep in life. I will always be grateful for, uh, for what she is. She told me, so resiliency, being resilient, the importance of being resilient is really something specific to, uh, to, to, to gymnasts, yes, Cirque du Soleil performers. It's, they are incredibly resilient incredibly resilient i mentioned my girlfriend in the beginning when we were speaking and i just had this conversation with her this past weekend uh growing up she rode horses competitively and in her adult life she was helping someone who had a you know a former you know competitive race horse and it was this unbelievably beautiful animal and so she starts riding this horse and it was a horse, you know, I, I've never ridden a horse before myself, but she was explaining the process to me. And you like you can feel their emotion as you're sitting on, on the animal. And she said once she got on this horse, she could tell it was anxious. It wasn't happy with her being on it. And it took off for the fence and went, you know, screaming fast towards the fence and then turned really quickly. She fell off and and got hurt she hit her her head on the fence she was wearing a helmet but she was shook and she was like i, I you know I, I can't do this anymore i can't get on this i can't ride again and the woman she was with she said to her julie you got to get on the fucking horse right now you got to get back up right now on that horse you can't let time pass because what will happen is you're going to go into your head and it's going to sit there and it's going to fester and it's going to turn into something that it's not yeah. you need to get right on that horse right now and she said i was so scared but i got back on and as soon as she did the animal settled down a little bit and it was a different experience. She said, if I didn't do it right there, I don't know if I would ever get back up on a horse again. And to that point, I, I, I totally understand that. And even think about this, Mark, you're a parent. When, mm -hmm. when your children experience something challenging or, or something difficult, I think it's our duty as parents to help them understand you're going to fall down. <laughs> There's going to be moments in your life that you fall down and you need to find it in yourself to pick yourself back up. I'm not always you want to be there as a support net for your for your children, but we do our kids a disservice if we come in and solve all their problems for them. So building that resilience as a parent, I'm sure is something that you are helping your kids with from your experience as a gymnast. Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. And I think one of the biggest problem in society is not accepting failure or just being scared of failure in every aspect of their life. There's so much people that identify to their failures. You know, you, you mentioned your, your wife on the horse. The, the main reason why that person told her go back on the horse is to not create, um, to make, not make the failure an entity in her mind, you know. So I think absolutely it's important to, to educate your children in a way that they're not scared of failure, you know, because when you think about it, 
failure doesn't really exist if you make the best out of it. It's not a failure. Not, you cannot call that a failure. Right. It's an opportunity to do it better. But we live in a problem-solving society. We love problem. We love difficult shit. We love to create those, you know, those problems. And therapists really love that because they make a shitload of money out of it. You know, I, oh yeah, that's a huge industry. So, um, so, so yeah, absolutely, you're completely right. I think I think it's important to also teach the children to enjoy failing as well to not to not make it as much as a big deal as it is now easier said than done for sure <laughs> like i have twins i'm trying my best <laughs> but but yeah and they're, they're really different one from the other you know but uh but it's it is challenging it is challenging but no not having to overprotect your children is is I think it's a key success for your for good parenting for sure. I think about this. I, sure. I I try to do this with my own children from time to time. It's not an, it's not a daily occurrence, but as we're sitting down for dinner, which it is an it's an important you know part of of my life is that that moment where we're together, we're conversing, we're not with technology. Um, yeah. A question I'll ask frequently is: Tell me something that you failed at today. You know, tell me yeah. so, not just what. How was your day? Good. What did you do? Nothing. Tell me something that you failed at today. And at, at first, I would say something like that to my children. They would look at me like I was fucking crazy. But then they started to think about it, and it's reframing the idea of failure. It's not. It's not the be all end all. It's something that you found a roadblock, and you found a different way around it, or it's an opportunity to grow and become better, or to become stronger, or to learn something new about that experience. So Absolutely. now they think of failure. It's not. It's just an opportunity. That's all it is. It's a different path Absolutely. for a new opportunity. Um, that's why I became a digital marketer. I became a digital marketer out of because um, I was always well, on the side of my Cirque du Soleil career. I was always an entrepreneur, started business at 20 years old. I was managing a business and I, I always had business project on the side. And there was one project that um, I started in Vegas that that failed massively, like massively. I put, you know, I, I lost a couple of grant on it. It wasn't the end of the world, but I put so much effort in it, so much time, so much energy in it. It was crazy, and and it just flopped. It didn't work. And after that, I, I so we're back in 2000, yeah, 2015, 14, something like that. And after that, I I, I was thinking about it. I was like, what what did I miss? You know, I found a gap in the market. I found you know the best product for the for 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 a problem that exists and I was like ah and I was like oh I underestimated social media to me social media the Facebook thing yeah my wife will take care of it right well what a waste of time but then I was like oh shit yeah I better start studying that maybe because I think it's a survival skill so out of my failure I start studying digital marketing marketing in general branding and I totally reoriented my life and I retired at age 33 you know I I if, if only you knew how many hours I work a week, you would want to kill me. You know, like I work nothing, nothing. And I want to keep it this way. I don't want my agency to grow bit, so much bigger. You know, now I'm in, I'm, and I, now I'm a bit a victim of my success because I started, I'm starting to gain a reputation among real estate investors, podcasters, and, you know, um, people start to contact me. Hey, can you produce my podcast? Can you manage my podcast? Can you take care of my social media? And and 
I'm saying no, 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 no. But now I'm in a phase where I'm like, okay, I need to hire people. Because if not, I'll, I'll like jack up my week to like 80 hours a week and I want to work as less as possible. Not because I, not because I don't want to work, but because freedom is really, really important to me. So I don't want to lose my freedom just for money. You know what I mean? I have a very simple life. I've made a lot of sacrifice in my life to be able to say I've retired at 33. You know, uh, I don't live in luxury at all. I have, but I have a high quality of life to my standards. Um, but yeah, out of a failure in Vegas, I reoriented and now I have a successful digital marketing agency, you know, so embracing failure is just the key. There's no, there's no failure. It, it, it doesn't exist. And it's, you reframed the idea of failure. Also, you're reframing the idea of what success looks like sounds like and yeah, feels like sure. as you're in that moment and you're looking at the man staring back at you on the bus billboard and you're like i don't recognize that man i i've gone through that experience in my life where i was looking at myself in the mirror as a principal thinking this is not you anymore i don't need i don't recognize the person staring back in the glass what am i going to do to make some significant changes in my life and one thing that you decided to do is i'm going to leave this you know glamorous lifestyle in las vegas where i am the center of the i am on the billboard i am the man i am the face behind what they're doing mm -hmm. and and you really downsized you, you you changed everything you you packed up you have two suitcases and a guitar and you decide i'm leaving this place so talk to us about what that was like leaving that situation where it was like you were in your profession on top of the world and you decide i'm gonna pull out of this right now yeah okay so so it was a process it was a long process um so i have I, I had my twins in vegas so my twins are americans um my wife was not a hundred percent happy in vegas because she's a very you know she's close to her family and she she really liked the social life and it's difficult it was difficult for her because she was always mark's wife wherever she we were going she was mark's wife you know so um so that's one thing we need to to taken account you know like my wife wasn't 100 percent happy um and what 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 it was a slow process that lasted couple of years you know um you're never really ready to to leave your w2 job whatever it is you know because you sort of fall into that mindset of of well, what would i do oh shit what would i do like you know i have a really good salary you know, I have my cars, I have my house, my jacuzzi, my pool. But life is not going to get any better than that, you know. But I decided to jump because of the identity thing. I didn't want to fall into the uh, going to work just for my paycheck type of thing. And uh, when we landed in, in Spain, it was a slow process because we now we sort of have a minimalist lifestyle you know we sort of broke down to the minimum what do you really need to live to live like what do you really need when you think about it like walk around your house and 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 really take the time on every freaking object that you have wonder like do you really need it you know does it make you happy for real for real 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 not not just on uh, do you really need it if you don't need it if it doesn't make you happy are you comfortable with the fact that you could get rid of it now or in five years? It doesn't matter. 
you know. Uh, now I can tell you that you want me to move out of the house without my furniture. Hell yeah, man, I'm going to do it. I'm not scared. All of my belongings fits in one luggage. No worries. I'm going to do it. I'm not scared. I'm not attached to my furniture. I'm not attached to, ever, to anything. You know, we have nice furniture. We don't live in a dump, you know, but I'm not attached to to it. To me, a table is just a fucking table. Right. You know what I mean? I love to have a nice table. Like it, it looks good. It's fun. It, uh, it, it makes the energy flow and all. But if life was uh, asking me to get rid of everything again, I would do it like in a heartbeat. It's not hard. A car is just a fucking car. You know, it's so. Um, so, yeah, remember the, the, the day I, I, I moved out of my house in Vegas, I sold it with the furniture in it. That was really clear. That was like my main condition yeah. was like, if you want the house, you keep the furniture. Like, I'm not accepting any offer <laughs> that, you know, you keep the shit, you know. And I remember it was Halloween, so 31st of October. And, you know, all the kids were walking by and I was in front of my house with, yeah, two luggage, one guitar in my car that I brought to CarMax like two days after because I was flying in Spain three days after, you know. What a relief. What a relief. What a relief. What a relief. And still sometime now I feel I have too much stuff. You know, when you really think about it, how many forks do you need in your house? How many knives do you need? How many, you know, how many t-shirts do you need? Like, do you really, really need? How many t-shirts do you need? Like, do, do you need all of those brands, all of this? Do, you know what I mean? Does it does it really, really, really help you being a happier person and being the best of yourself? I, I, I understand sometimes it's part of your job. You need to dress well and all. Like I, I understand that. Um, but it definitely changed my my perspective on luxury, you know, on, on, on spending, for sure. I, I did a, a podcast a couple months back, and I called it Fuck the White Picket Fence. I lived in a, in a spot in my life where things like that began to matter to me what the outside of the house looked like the stone the you know how the fence looked you know the dishes that we had the color of the cabinets and and I, as i took a step back and looked at it from a different perspective who cares why it doesn't in the long run none of that really matters and if you're spending waking hours and mental space worrying about stuff like that you're putting your eggs in the wrong basket you're 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 putting things that you could be helping other people that you could be doing something positive and productive for society and i even used the the reference of a of a fork and you just mentioned a fork it just made me laugh that i said who fucking cares if your fork has three lines or four lines in it because the neighbor down the street has a fork that looks nicer it's exactly. a fork there's no limit to that <laughs> exactly there's no limit if you start comparing yourself to everyone there is no limit you will always find someone that has more than you that is better than you that you will always find it always i guarantee you you will never be the best in the world it doesn't exist you will never be the richest man on the planet for so long someone yeah. will beat you again and someone will so there it's it's a no ending rabbit hole you know what i mean so um, I'm not 100% against buying shit, you know, but you need to be aware of it. You need to be aware that, you know, you're, you need to be aware that if you, you like to, to have your, your, let's say your yard, your front yard well maintained, is it because you want other to perceive you as a successful guy that takes care of everything or, it be, or it's because you enjoy the process? Joy. Yes. 
you know personally like I, I enjoy gardening like i enjoy doing it i is so you you need to be more uh conscious about those about those things because sometimes we, we make a lot of things for for others for the others but like what are they going to think about me yeah it's what the motivation oh my god yeah so if you like to dress if to to for you to to get dressed as a form of expression you know and you're a sort of poet of of clothing and you like to I have a friend he's a model he loves to he just loves it you have some expensive shit some non-expensive shit it doesn't matter he just loves the action of of getting dressed what do you want me to say it's his passion go for it man yeah. like that's how you express yourself that that that's a form of art that touches you but you need to be aware that if it's for to fill in a, a, a void inside your soul then you have a problem you know because what happens is you if you're doing it for a, a reason that's not authentic that's truly bringing you joy once you get that that object or that item it creates another void. I need the next thing that's going exactly. to fill that void. The next thing that's going to fill that void. It's almost like, and you mentioned even, and I'll, I'll bring it back to the Cirque du Soleil thing. You're, you, you think this is where you need to be that others perceive this is where you need to be. And you start climbing a mountain or running up a mountain. You get to the very top and the pinnacle and you look around, you're like, ah, oh, this is the wrong mountain. I'm on the, <laughs> I should be on that mountain over there, not on this one, because you're, you're so hyper-focused either on that, yeah. that goal, whatever it is, or what other people perceive you as and so I'll, I'll segue into running now like think about running up the mountain um part of you living there and what you're doing is you you found a spot where it's not a flat area you're you're running your ass off you're you're up and down everywhere and nothing is flat uh, nothing, uh, is flat. <laughs> nothing flat doesn't exist it's amazing more it doesn't exist there's no flat at all like i think my and i'll need to think in feet but like uh i want to say my average run is uh, 2,000 feet of positive gain, 2,000 and a half maybe of positive gain. That's like my average run. You know, like there's no way I can not do it. If I want to go for a longer run, or yeah, I can do a loop in my neighborhood and maybe have like a few hundred feet. But what's the point? But yeah, there's this mountain all over the place. Beautiful, beautiful places to go. It's so, and, and here like Catalonia is like, the top ultra runners come from Catalonia, Catalonia, Italy, but in that area, why? Because it, the, the culture of trail running is so strong, you know, like you run an ultra here. I don't know in America. I've never run any ultra in, in America. I feel, I, I don't know, but here, like the city will, will be there and watch the departure in the morning. Like it's an event, like people knows they, they're going to know the biggest ultra runner. Everybody will knows Killian Jornet. Everybody will will know that guy, you know. It's the best. They all all know the Nuria Picas or 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 Pau Casa. Uh, they all they, they will always always um, uh, reconfirm that in their culture. You know, they just know that it's part of them. I don't know. I don't know why, but yeah, it's definitely a paradise of trail running, man. That's it's very very cool. And you're mentioning the 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 gain, the the elevation gain. When you're going out for your runs, you're not going to run a mile and a half or a 5K. You're running 10 miles or a half marathon almost every single yeah. day. Well, okay, so summertime for me is down season. So down season for me, uh, usually I run a half marathon a day, uh, about six days a week, more or less, you know. Um, now I'm in lower, I'm in low season, so I reduce in half. So I run like a 10K, so that's like, you know six eight miles right i think 10k it's more or less that 
uh, a day because man it's so hot it's just insanely hot it's insane it's like 110 degrees and and i still go out but i uh, i don't know it's it's to me it's down season there's no like big race also during august and july it's you know so um my next ultra i think is is in october so uh so 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 yeah i love that i don't i still don't know why though i still I'm, i'm still it's still not clear in my head why people are attracted to ultra running and it's definitely a question i ask to a lot of ultra runner why the fuck did you do this why <laughs> it's i was going to to bring it back you talked about therapists before and the idea of of going to a therapist and, and the money that they're making helping people deal with their shit you're you're providing self-therapy i'm sure that's a that's a therapeutic experience for you and it could be an active meditative experience as well as you're running and, and you're, you're, you're able to kind of go deep into your head and, and understand yourself a little bit deeper. So do you use that experience as almost like a therapeutic way yeah, to be active definitely. and to meditate? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, we, we could uh, define a little bit meditation. We could get into that. Um, um, I, I don't think it's a way to get into your head. I think it's a way to shut your mind. You know, and actually not being in your head because I think we live in our head all the time on our phone. We have a, you know, we're on our computer. You, you go for a run, you listen to a podcast for some music, you go take a dump, you look at YouTube right, videos, right. you know, and, and we're like overstimulating our brain all the time. We swim in dopamine all the fucking time. Every time that we pick up our phone, we have a dopamine rush and dopamine is, you know, is the reward enzyme in your, in your brain. And we become addicted to that. And that's why all the platforms are moving towards shorter form of, of videos, reels, TikTok, YouTube, the shorts of, uh, of YouTube, because every time you swipe, it's a dopamine you have reward, 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 bang, 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 bang. That's why you should never leave your children on, on TikTok, by the way. Yeah. If they are like teenagers, like under teenager children on TikTok, man, you're going to create like, you, it's going to be a fucking disaster for sure. Anyways, that's it. Maybe we can talk about it yeah. after. Um, so to go back to running, absolutely. That's my meditation. You can take, you can talk to my wife. If I don't go run for a day or two, uh, yeah, I'm not that patient. I'm a little bit more grumpy, uh, and and yeah, definitely it's 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 a meditation for me, um, absolutely. And I think it's part of it for a lot of runners. A lot of runners do it for the mind game. Um, you know, like I I was talking to a to a doctor this morning that we want to get on on another podcast, and we were you know talking over the phone, and we're talking about ultra running, and I told him. I said, just the just thinking that you could do an ultra running, just thinking in your mind that an ultra marathon is something that you could achieve is already a win. You know, because there's so many people, the first thing they say is, Oof, I could never do that. Right. I cannot run more than 10K. There's no way I can run an ultra. But if in your head you're like, wait, 100 miles? Mm, yeah. I can. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Just that, it, it's such a win because you can apply that in all your life. I want to start a business. Oh, no, no, me, I cannot start a business. I have a W-2 job. While others will say, 
how about I start a business? Uh, yeah, hell yeah, I'm starting a business, you know? So, um, so definitely the mind game in running is very, very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated about the, the, the power of the mind over the body. Fascinated about that. It's crazy how, how that shit, that mind that we over identify to is something flexible, uh, 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 that you can remodel, that you can shape, you know, as long as you understand that the mind is not fixed and can be moved around. As I recently, can, yeah, I, I recently read the book "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly, exactly. Amazing. It's uh, what we're capable of as human beings, and the limit that we have is self-imposed. We're putting these these dividers down we can only get to a specific point because we can't imagine us going a step further than whatever it was and one thing that we say on building men is go a step further than you thought you could go and then once you take that step further you're you you broken past that barrier now you can take another step further and and that's the that's the magic that happens there is when you go a step further than you thought you can go and you're breaking down a lot of those self-limiting beliefs that you had and i'm sure one thing that you you hear from people as well is when they're saying they can do something but yeah, oh, yeah. i i i want to i want to go and run but I, my my foot is sore i want to go and run but or they they're putting those that that word there will will stop them from doing something yeah yeah and but don't go together never they don't they don't fit together it's either yes or no it's either it, let's go for a run yeah but my knees no 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 the yeah part is you wanting to you want to go there's a desire to do it and the butt is the mind that is kicking butt and say, no, 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 you're not that guy. Start, let's start a business. That idea you have, start a business. Yeah, but I have a W2 job. Yeah, I want to take control of my life. Yeah, I want to impact the world. Yeah, but no, no, you're not that guy. You're the W2 job guy. Okay? It's either yes, now, what do I need to do? Because if you want to start a business, you cannot start a business from one day to the other. So you say, yeah. Now, what do I need to do? I need to do a business plan. I need to make a phone call. I need to blah, 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 blah. Or no, and it's okay. Do you want to go for a run? No. Great. I'll go alone. They're, and people always are juggling in conflict like that yeah. all the time. All the time. It's insane. Insane. One day I told one of my friends, a parent of... Uh, you know that I have here. She she runs a little bit, and me, I don't care. Like I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go for a run for a mile with someone. I don't give a shit. I don't need to go ultra run all the time. You know, I, I really don't mind about the length of the run. And I'm like, let's go for a run Wednesday. Wednesday morning, call me. Yeah, sorry, I cannot come for the run. Blah 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 blah. blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, no worries, I'll go. So I, uh, in the afternoon, we saw each other picking up the kids. I'm so sorry. It's because the work and blah, 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 blah. And because yesterday I went to work late. And then in the morning, my son was a little bit that. And then, and I told her, I said, you know what? I think you should not run. You should just do the finding excuses fitness because you, you're wasting more energy at finding excuses than actually going out for the run. You know what I mean? I don't I, I don't care. You just say no. Don't don't shove all the excuses up my throat. I don't give a fuck. It's yes or no. Yeah. That's it. You know? Yes. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Mark. I couldn't. I cannot make it. I'll explain you later. 
and no worries like it doesn't matter but there's some people that and i know her she she's just the professional of bringing excuses every all the time you know and um we're good at finding excuses we're, we're really good we're really really good at that especially when you add in that yeah part so you're in your mind you're thinking i'm the type of person that would do whatever it is yeah i would love to run and then when you put the butt in, you're, you're identifying, I am that type of person, but there's an external factor that exists that's out of my control that's not allowing me to, to do whatever. Once you remove that, and either just own the yes or the no. No, I'm not going for a run today. That's it. You, I, I would respect exactly. that more than, exactly. yeah, and it's that wishy-washy kind of thing. Yeah. I just it's, it's, it's the language that we're using when we're speaking to ourselves in our own head. And you mentioned before the meditative part of running is it's not the the le- it's shutting that shit off one thing that yeah. i loved i was listening to the podcast the construct your life podcast i'll give awesome lenny a shout out <laughs> it cracked me up you were talking to him as you're coaching him through his you know what he's he's working on with his own brand <laughs> and basically you told him sit on the couch and shut the fuck up you know just okay. shut the fuck up for five five minutes and hearing you say that to him like i i speak to him frequently it uh, it cracked me up. I I can't wait to talk to him about that comment that I that, heard. That is exactly why I'm a, I I don't think I could be a good life coach. That that's exactly why because I would take the client and I will just listen to all the 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 mind noise and all that shit and I would say, "Hey, look, man, just shut the fuck up. Like like really train yourself to shut the fuck up twice a day at least. 5 minutes." And I and actually anyone that is listening to this podcast, just do it. In the morning, take five minutes for yourself, sit down on the fucking toilet, no phone, nothing, close your eyes, breathe in, breathe out. If you have some thoughts coming in, let them in, let them out, it's okay, just breathe in, breathe out, no need to do mala mala and fucking whatever you want to call it, no need, no need. And you do it twice a day. Because what's going to happen is you're going to retrain your mind how it feels to be calm. We live in a world where we're constantly uh, stimulated by everything. Your mind is always going at 10,000 miles an hour. Your mind wants to go as fast as your fucking phone, you know? So your mind doesn't know what it feels to be calm. Your mind doesn't know how to, to not be stressed. That's why also there's a lot of people, whatever is going to happen to them, they're going to be stressed out about it. Hey, you want a million dollars. For real? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> hey, you cannot pay your bills at the end of the, mo- the month. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, same reaction. Right. Fucking same right. reaction. Because their brain, their mind is just used to read life with stress. And stress is, a, is fast food literally like something very easy to to put it in your mind and your mind digest it like and there's no nutrients in there there's nothing helpful in stress you know uh so yeah absolutely i think shut the fuck up twice a day for five minutes can literally change your life with nothing with no no help of music don't lay just sit there you know don't even call it meditation uh, don't even go there. Just shut the fuck up. It's. I think it's worth. See. It's worth a side business for you too. It could be the quickest coaching calls. That it would. It would be a thirty-second <laughs> coaching call. What's your issue? They start talking. You tell them shut the fuck up. Call me back tomorrow. Uh, 
You can make millions. Uh, well, uh, pr probably <laughs> there's a lot of gurus that made a lot of millions yeah. with that because it's the idea that that's it. No, but for real, like uh, you want to talk about religion, you know, uh, what Jesus said, uh, God's kingdom is inside you, something like that. You know what I mean? Well, well, absolutely. Yes. Shut the fuck up. Shut it. Of course, God will fucking shine on out of your eyes and you're going to be bright and all that. Shut it. Shut your mind. Um, there's another um, another another guru that said um, God is you without you. You know, if you can, if you sit down for five minutes and you take a distance from yourself, which means just observing your emotion. Oh, I'm having a thought right now. Oh, I feel anxious. I'm not comfortable. My chair is not comfortable. I have a rib that is poking me a little bit. And breathe in, breathe out, and just just observing. Then this distance that you make towards yourself, all right, becomes yourself. And you will see that whatever person that you think you are will vanish slowly, 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 slowly. You will stop fighting for everything. You will your ego will will dissolve slowly. By just shutting up like five minutes a day, you know, um, there's another guru that said, find the sufferer and sufferer, suffering will disappear. Find the sufferer and the suffering will disappear. Because if you're just suffering, which means that like you're stressed out, stressed out, stressed out, and you never take a step back. Uh, where's the camera? Uh, here. <laughs> um, you know, if you never take a step back and observe that chatter. Oh, I'm stressed out. Oh, I'm overthinking everything. Oh, shit. Then, of course, you identify to the stressed out mind. You think stress is you. So you need to step back and observe yourself. And from the observer, there's no suffering because there's just observation of whatever occurs in your mind. You know? And I definitely think that if the world was doing that every day, oh, my God, we'll be in a happy, hippie place for sure. You mentioned the, the, the technology piece as well. People are so enamored with their technology and they're connected to it. As a principal, I remember talking to teachers about, think about like people's personal space. You know, when, you know, de depending on your relationship with, with different people, you allow people closer or further away from your personal space where you have this level of comfort around you. And um, at the time I was talking about adolescence, their phone is, a, is attached to them in a way where if it's on a table and you go to grab for it, you've entered their personal space. It's, it's, a, it's an affront on them as a human for being sure. where you are in, that, in their personal space bubble. And I would argue that most people are like that now. Most people have their phones. Oh, are that, that is the, an extension of themselves in their personal space. Last weekend, I was on vacation and I basically said I am going to go on like a detox from technology for several days. And it was such a game changer for me not to constantly have information just spoon fed to me. It let me take a step back and think thoughts that I hadn't thought in a while. I, I, I did this deep dive into, again, taking that step back and observing that player that who was on the puppet strings in front of me. And I was like, huh, that's what's been going on in my life. And, and I, I'm going to do that once a week now just to take a day away from it. It, it was such a healthy experience for me. But how do you, and I know you believe that's something you absolutely believe in. But in your world as a, you know a digital marketing coach, mm. how would you tell people to go about doing that in a in an efficient way, knowing people still need to have that technology as part of their livelihood and their business to be mm. you know active on social media, but still taking time for themselves 
taking a step back. So what advice would you give to someone in that capacity? Look, first you need to accept that social media is part of our life. That's it. That's all. There's no two reality. There's a lot of people that say there's the real world and there's the fake world on social media. No, 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 no. It's, it's one thing which is called life. Okay. And now we have social media and that big thing that is called life. Um, of course, because of, because of the addiction, because of the dopamine rush that you have every time you pick up your phone, of course, you need to, to take some breaks. You know, what I, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just one day, like for personally, on Sunday, for example, I tend to not work, not touch my phone or touch my phone the least as possible. I do activities with my family and all that, and I try to do that, uh, you know, once a day that I really discipline myself to not do it. However, if you're someone like me and you manage like, you know, 10 Instagram account and you, you, you're building websites and you're building templates for micro content and you're, you're doing video editing and all that, I think that to simply find ways to be fully present when you're not with your phone is the key. So I might be on my phone five, six hours a day, yeah? but I don't think my twins notice it because when i'm playing with my twins i'm playing with my twins put the phone down and i just when i talk to my twins i talk to my twins i'm with them when i cook i cook you know i might cook something pick up my phone after but i'm not constantly doing both phone cooking phone cooking phone playing phone playing phone you know uh, 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 so to um to learn to be present without the phone in life I think it's going to be the, the key to create a better world for sure and deal better with that, this new technology. Um, yeah, absolutely. Probably we could, we could say discipline. You've given us so many great, even one-liners. I can't wait to cut this up and just pull some, uh, again, to post on Instagram, some one-line clips from this. They're, they're really impressive. And I've taken so much out of our conversation about your your journey. One thing that I'd love to know, though, is, you know, what is your, um, how would you go about defining masculinity? Because building men, we, we're, we're on this journey together of trying to figure out what it means to be a man. It's this, it's this ambi- you know, ambiguous idea that people have ideas of what, what a man should look like, should sound like, should feel like. There's all these terms, you know, being thrown around toxic masculinity. And mm. um, yeah, it, what we're trying to do is figure out what what masculinity is and as i'm talking to you i'm like this is a fucking masculine man in front of me how would you go about defining that term what does masculinity mean to you uh masculine okay what does it mean to be a man for me it's misleading the question is misleading because i think if you say what does it mean to be a man you start an identification process with your genitals you know you're basically uh saying Sorry, but you're basically saying, what does it mean to have a dick in 2021? You know what I mean? Um, So to me, as long as you will identify with the fact that you're a man and only a man, you will limit your being. You know, the real question is, how do you become a better person? You know, how do you, how can you be more present? That's to me is a more relevant question. And that I think that if we, if we would um, ask that question, how can we be more present, a lot of conflict will disappear, you know? 
And one thing we need to keep in mind when we talk about masculinity is I, that's why I really love your podcast because it's, it takes a lot of courage to ask those questions in 2021. Mm -hmm. Because on, okay, now we have the, you know, the feminists did their job. Uh, we have modern feminism, you know, the Me Too movement and all that thing, and, 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 it, and it's great. However, if you're a man, and you dare saying, hey, um, you know that uh, we stopped raping women like 50 years ago? Did, did you know that? Did, are you aware that you're, on, you're about to be 40, probably around that? So I hope you're aware that probably that your grandparents, your parents are the fruit of rape. Your grandfather didn't know what a clitoris was, man. He didn't know that. Right. We weren't educating men at that time. We didn't talk about that. So, and that's really dramatic because we, we basically stopped raping women very recently. So the question, what does it mean to be man is, is, is relevant a little, you know, in our society, I think. But because the whole, the whole identification to our genitals is, is, is just wrong you know what i mean it, it we're blending into two worlds you know like are you really a man are you really a woman uh what does it mean to be a woman does it mean something does it you you know what i mean and so I, um so i think it's i think what does it mean to be a man in 2021 yeah i would say it's a bit it's a bit misleading and the question should be a little deeper than that but we need to go into that route. We need to ask those questions in order to get to a deeper level. So I'll, I'll rephrase it slightly then with the idea that if you're taking manhood away from the word masculinity and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that being masculine has to be associated with, with your genitalia. Yeah, there is. Exactly. There is. And one thing that I've, I've definitely learned over the last year, Mark, is that there is this balance between masculine and feminine energy. And, you know, you know, I, I feel like I have more masculine energy than feminine energy. My brother, who's not here with me today, um, he is he's like me, six, four. He's he's a he's a, a, you know, just a physical specimen. He's but he has more feminine energy, the, the way that he shows up is more. Mm -hmm. And so there's this kind of, uh, you know, yin and yang kind of balance that goes on. There are times that you know women will will have to take on more of a masculine type role in the way that they're 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 showing up so they might you know operate more in a masculine space for a period of time but i i believe that men typically are are more in a masculine role and and that's me where i would fall into i that's my go to but there will be times that i you know that you definitely feel that feminine energy so what are traits that you would say are associated with masculine energy so it doesn't necessarily have to be a man but w for for positive masculine energy to to be present what are what do you need to to demonstrate what are certain character traits that would be associated with positive masculine energy positive masculine energy can i talk about fatherhood absolutely because i think it's linked. you know um, you're a father you're a man and and I've, I've recently realized that being a father doesn't mean shit. Like, literally, it doesn't mean shit. Because I'm reading books about, you know, becoming a better dad and what does it mean to be a dad and what, and it's linked to, you know, what does it mean to be a man? And 
I just realized that it doesn't mean anything to be a parent. The right mindset to me is you need to be an inspiring figure for your children, but also recognize that your children can be an inspiring figure for you. And that's how you create a, a creative, you, you, you're creating some sort of a creative circle, you know, where one admire the other and, and vice versa. And if you fully accept that, that your role as a parent is to inspire your children, then you need to work on yourself, listening your, your, to your gut feeling, listening to what you want for yourself in life, what you need to be happy. And if you're in, if you're in harmony with that with yourself, automatically your children will be um, uh, inspired by that, you know, and vice versa. If you create a fertile soil for your children, then your, your, your children will teach you stuff about life. My children, today I ask them exactly the question, okay, they're, they're eight years old, about to be nine. And I say, I'm going on a podcast today and it's called Building Men. What do you mean, building men? I say, yeah, you know, we talk about, you know, the meaning of, of being a man. And so I asked them, for you, is there a difference between a boy and a girl? And they said, mm, no. I said, yeah, but, you know, uh, the boys are playing with boys at school, huh? And the girls are playing the, with girls. And they were like, uh, no, people that love, out, that love to play football, they play football together. People that love to play with, with little dolls, they play with little dolls. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I play, that's one of my twins told me, like sometimes I play with my little toys with, with boys, you know, it doesn't matter. And I was like, oh, shit, we're really entering into another, that future generation that is coming will not identify as much as us to their genitals, I think. Uh, same thing with race. Like I remember when they were four, they, they were doing going at the daycare at, at, uh, in Vegas, and they were always talking about that William kid, that William, 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 because he was the naughty little boy in the class, you know? And William, and one day I go pick them up and I say, hey, who's William? And they pointed, it was the guy with the blue shirt. He said, the guy with the blue shirt over there. And he was a black, he was a black kid. But in their mind, it's, it's not a black kid. It's a kid with a blue t-shirt. And I think same thing applies with sexuality, with, with the identification to their gender. And I think that will dissolve slowly. And we're, we're going to be more focused on the requirements of, you know, being a good human being, which start by being present, fully present. Right. I think it's you such know? a great point. I, one thing that's happened in society over the, the past, I don't, even 10 years or so, is there's definitely been um, more acceptance um, with, you know, gender, uh, fluidity, um, you know, all just things that were not in the norm specifically for such a long period of time. I remember when I'm, when I'm growing up, I'm, I'm 44 now. I remember when I was growing up, a lot of the things that my children just accept as that's part of the way it is. You know, there are, there are people that are gay. There are people that are, it, it just, it's part of what they, they just know to be true right now. And it, it is refreshing that there's not this categorization of people. I remember growing up and trying to figure out what, boxes I fit into which categories did I fit into first you would categorize things so this is a white kid this is a black kid this is a boy this is a girl that so you would put things into these boxes and then which box do I fit into all right I'm a white boy 
I am tall. Yeah. I am a, I'm an athlete. So I put myself into these boxes. But then as you get older, you start to look around and say, wait a second. I put myself in this box, but I believe shit that's in this box too. How does that work? Where? How does that yeah. fit in? And it's Again, a, uh, it's the mind. Yes. The mind wants to identify. It's just The mind is just another organ in your, in your body. Yeah? It's just a tool of your mind. Yep. As much as your hand is a tool. That's it. The only thing is we live in a society where we identify to whatever ideas we have and the mind loves to put stuff in in you know yeah the, the mind loves to do that and what's interesting is now people don't really know in which box to put me i really have a, a a great time telling what do i do for a living because you know i'm a runner i'm a digital marketer but also i'm an artist and 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 it's so funny to see how difficult it is to put a tag on me i love it i love it in, because uh, the more you become yourself, less you will find tags to put on yourself, or less you will find a need to put a tag on yourself. Or to, and you will just stop. Yeah. Or to care what other people put a tag on you. To give, I don't give a fuck now what people tag me as. There was such a long time in my life, Mark, that I was so worried about what I thought people thought about me. Again, back to that white picket fence and the, the fork. I was worried about what other people thought, and I'm at a, a spot now. If you don't like me, uh, that's up. That's you. That's uh, that's totally on you. It has nothing to do with me. Your thoughts on me. So being able to get enough space away from worrying about what other people think about you as well, and and seeing your mind as an organ that you know can work for you. Not not you're a slave of that organ in your body. Exactly, and it and it's great that as a coach, you understood that because you have a serious job you know you take people one-on-one -on -one or sometimes you coach you know a group of people and that's a key element besides giving them some mind tricks and hack and how they can improve their life and develop the right mindset i think the first thing people need to realize and you realize that obviously you are not the mind the mind is just a tool because if you can observe yourself then who's observing what you know what i mean so so that example at the, at the beginning that you were talking about you look at yourself in the mirror and all that yeah. It's, yeah you you woke up to your true identity and that's why it's super important that you keep working and helping people like you do right now which you you, you know you're having incredible results you know uh and it i i think it's really your mission is really really important that you keep doing that for sure I appreciate that. And I feel like your journey as well, I've been following along with what you're doing and, and you've been inspiring me. And, and I mentioned at the beginning, I felt like I had known you already as we sat down to, to talk today based on me watching you and, and your little video clips on Instagram. And you're making a difference in a, in a lot of people's lives by how you are communicating with them and helping people understand the mindset to understand the importance of you know going that step further than you thought you can go it's such an important part of life and and i truly appreciate you taking the time today mark to you know to chat with me for a little bit longer than an hour almost an hour and a half shit we, we went a little Ooh. bit longer yeah it was Ooh. one of those conversations i didn't want to end so mark tell uh tell the building men audience how they can get in touch with you how they can find you and, and follow along on your journey they can click on the link probably below that you'll see in the description yes um, on the show notes or wherever if not if they want to remember www.stupidsimpledigitalmarketing.com that's my uh, agency's uh, website but if not come and say hi on 
on Instagram and ask questions and, and, you know. Um, so, yeah, cool. Thank you for having me. You're having a wonderful show. And I hope that if the people made it that far into this podcast, they'll take the time to comment something on Apple Podcast because that could really help you and um, to grow your podcast because I think it's it's very, very important. Appreciate that. Small action. It takes, you know, guys, it takes like, what, 10 seconds to go rate it, open the thing, rate it, five stars, four. We'll accept the four. Let's make it four because I have a difficult English to understand. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going with five. I, I thought this was a five episode. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to stick with five. Just because of the shut the fuck up part. I, that, that, that turned it over <laughs> for me. That was a big difference. So you can, uh, we'll put everything in the show notes. Find Building Men on Instagram, building.men. Uh, all the information will be in the show notes. And um, reach out to me on email, buildingmencoach at gmail.com. Mark Picard, thank you so much, my friend. I'm, I'm glad to have... Um, met you over the last hour or so. Um, if I'm ever in Spain, I would love to go for a, a jog with you. Just, uh, you know, run Absolutely. up and down a hill. I don't know about, uh, you know, 6,000 miles, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll run a little uh, bit. Whatever. We'll, we'll, whatever it whatever is. Whatever you gonna, want. We'll run, a, whatever we'll, you want. we'll run and we'll have a beer afterwards. For, oh, uh, <laughs> for the Building Men audience, go a step further than you thought you can go today. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Building Men.